<laughs> so wait, Declan, you're you're not French. Well, I so I have French ancestry. I'm probably like I don't know, twenty five percent French. But like my parents don't speak French. They kind of my family tried to um <clears throat> like eliminate the language when they because they lived in Alberta and in um what's some maritime province. So it was kind of like taboo to speak French. So they purposely uh, stopped. So my parents don't speak any French. Uh, actually, they do, but they learned when they're twenties, and then I learned at school. So technically, I'm not actually French. Just the name. Damn, that's crazy. Oh yeah. yeah. Turn it down a little bit. <clears throat> Special guest. <laughs> Oh, I can tell. I don't know what it is about Stromae, but all of his songs, they have that vibe, no? Look, listen. Wait, I don't know anything about music, but I think it's like the, the bass in the background. It's the same across all of the songs. Yeah. I will let it play for a little bit more. Okay, give us a lyric, break, lyric breakdown. What is he saying? <laughs> what does Ave Cesaria mean? It's basically um, like an homage to Cesaria uh, Evora, who's a singer from, um, she's from Cap Verde. It's she's she's African and she was uh, just like a really iconic singer. She was known for always walking barefoot, mm. and uh, yeah, it's kind of a tribute to her. Wow! Mm. So when did you start learning French? Um, I was... wait, wait, Rebecca. Before we even answer that, we need to start <laughs> telling the people what songs we're playing in the intro. I realized we just played the song and we don't even tell them what the hell we just played. Okay, so they might want to go back and check it out. So this one was. Um, Ave Cesaria by Stromae. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's the uh, name of the song. Stromae. Stromae, yes, there yeah. we go. I uh, Sorry, Declan, you were saying my bad, I cut you off. Yeah, so French. I was, um, I went to kindergarten in English, and then my parents were kind of worried that I wasn't going to, you know, be fully, truly immersed in it. So they just dropped me off at French school halfway through grade one. So they pulled me out of school, put me in a French school. And then uh, I guess when you're a kid and you're just, you know, totally immersed in it, you, you just pick it up really well. So as a result, I, I speak French at a near, a near like, um, what's the word? I forget the English word, actually. The, when you're, it's your first language. It's almost my first language. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Rebecca doesn't know anything about that. Her first what? language is English. <laughs> <laughs> no, my first language is Mandarin, Chinese, and and uh, aussi, so, uh. uh wait, wait, but Declan, does she speak French, French, or you know what I mean? Like the oh, sounds pretty good. Did you do a uh, Francais immersion at? Uh, yeah, indeed, I did do Francais immersion. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, before we get too carried away with the French words, let's switch back to English. I don't understand French. <laughs> Shout out to all of the Quebecois and the French people in Canada and in France and everywhere else. So Declan, give us a little intro about yourself. Yes, sir. Um, so I'm in third year health side, but um, I'm a year older. So I graduated from high school in 2017 from the same high school as Rebecca, but the year before. And um, 
yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't know a bit about me. I like to, I play the violin. I like to play tennis and squash. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, we went to the same high school and I didn't even know that you were coming to McMaster and I just like randomly saw you here one day and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it came, uh, it was, I almost didn't go to McMaster. I was really torn between McGill and McMaster. Really? So up until like, um, I guess, yeah. So we were going to talk about the, the year off I took, right? Which was basically mm-hmm. almost a complete accident because I couldn't decide whether to go to McGill or to go to McMaster. And then it was like two weeks before school. And um, I think it was someone from the BHSC office. I think it was Andrea sent me an email. It was like, you're not registered for any courses. What are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm just going to take a year off. And then uh, they, they let me defer, which came as a huge surprise. But Wow, that's yeah, awesome. That's yeah, so- I wanted to ask you a few questions about that because I don't know a lot of people that took a year off in any of my any of the programs that they went into after high school like a lot of people they have this mindset where okay finish high school it's a formula right four years in high school boom four years undergrad boom and then you go get your master's or then you do whatever I never had people that around me around me that were like okay I'm gonna take one year off and do whatever so I have a lot of questions about that well first of all I was going to ask you, like, how did that come about? Like, what made, what made you decide to take a year off? Why? Well, I guess you said it was kind of like an accident. It was, yeah. It was kind of like, it was okay in my family, on my dad's mm-hmm. side, at least. My dad was for it because he did the, the same thing when he was an undergrad. He, uh, he actually missed the deadline to apply for university mm-hmm. by, like, a week. And then oh, he, my God. Oh, I guess I'll just go to Europe for a year or something. Um, so he did that at the age of 18. So it was kind of like, I knew he had done that. I had his example to follow even though my mom wasn't okay with it and my grandparents weren't okay with it. It was, you know, I had, I had his support basically. Interesting. Did you find yourself having to justify your decision to your family members that were like, why, why, why would you take a year off? Like, did you have to go and justify anything to them or? Um, I did a little bit. They made me promise like over and over again that I was going to go back to school. I think that was their their biggest fear that Mm -hmm. I was going to go on a trip, become like, (laughs) <laughs> and then just give up on school but uh, I was never worried about that because I'm a very it, I think it was good for me because that that kind of uh, you know go through the motions do high school university progress through your life normally like that mentality that was something that is very um, that's deeply ingrained in me so it was really good for me to kind of step away from that and take time not fulfilling professional goals and things like that yeah did your um did your grandma I mean did your grandparents and mom like approve afterwards oh yeah they did they did they loved seeing like the pictures and (gasps) once I was safely back in school they were they were fine with it okay that's great so what did you do during your gap here exactly so I I decided I was gonna take a year off like I think it was like two weeks before school was supposed to start and by that time I was working in a there's a diner in uh, Ottawa that's pretty famous called Zach's Diner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone <laughs> from Ottawa knows it. They opened up a Mexican restaurant. Um, and so I was working in the Mexican restaurant. It's literally right beside. It's called Zach's Cantina. Mm-hmm. And so I was dishwashing there. And uh, I literally just dishwashed for like, I think I, over the summer, I did like four months of dishwashing. Really interesting experience. Um, you meet lots of, lots of interesting people in the dish pit. And then... Uh, <laughs> 
Bro, and that's funny because I also did dishwashing. I didn't meet anyone, bro. I met the same two cooks that always worked there, and that was it. Yeah, no, I met like, you know, there was a guy there who was, um, he had like a face tattoo and he had been in jail and like super nice guy. One met another guy who had been a dishwasher for like 50 years. And damn, okay. I don't know, lots of people, wow. people that you wouldn't interact with. Yeah, kind sure. of on the day to day, or at least I wouldn't in my with my like suburban upbringing. <laughs> True. Okay. So you did that over the summer, kind of summer, and then into September and October, November. Is that like how it kind of like bled into the school year a bit? It did. Yeah. After that, I moved to an Italian restaurant um, because they offered me more money <laughs> and <it was> an <laughs> hour. Uh, so I was making like thirteen dollars an hour at Vittorio Tutorio, which is another big restaurant in Ottawa. Um, yeah, I started in the dish pit there. That was crazy hard work. The okay. Shout out to the guys in the dish pit at, at Vittorio Tutorio. They work so hard because it's like this tiny, it's like three meters by two meters. There's two guys in there and it's like 35 degrees at all times. So that was a, that was a tough that job. That sounds like, horrible. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was hard work. Plus my, my hands were like all cracked and bleeding all the time from oh, yeah. the, just when they're wet all the yeah. time. Yeah. Wait, you know, there's a crucial question to all of this that's going to make sense if the work was hard or not. What kind of restaurant was it? Like, was it one of those places where the food is greasy as hell? Because the restaurant I worked at was a Mediterranean restaurant. And let me tell you, fam, that grease would not go away. I grew up that, like, I had to actually, well, we had the thing that washes the dishes, right? But you yeah, always yeah, like have to get the pans and the fryer. Yeah, I hated doing that. Was that, was, that was the problem. The job would have been easy if it was just plates. Yeah. But it was like, uh, it was an Italian restaurant. So they were cooking in pan. Like every time they made someone pasta, it would be made in a pan. And like, mm. I think it was the, the Alfredo sauce or something, but it would <laughs> stick to the non-stick pan. Yeah. Um, so you'd have to, because it was non-stick, you couldn't use like a scraper. You'd have to use this, this uh, green pad. And it was so much work to get it off. You'd have like, you'd have like a new pan come in every minute too. Oh my yeah. God. I could never. Props to you guys. Yeah. Shout out to everyone that's working in the restaurant. Very hard, uh, very hard really job. Hard yeah. Especially yeah. if you're younger and that's like your first job. That's like, it, it puts you in the mindset like, wow, am I going to have to work this hard to like get like the, the money that that's, that's your first experience of money coming in. So but I yeah. guess it's also good, like it sets you up for like being more hardworking. Mm-hmm. I think it does, yeah. And it, you know, it, it motivated me to to do, uh, you know, to get a desk job when I'm older. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that was a good experience. But I tapped out after like, after in that restaurant, after three months of that, I moved like to the front of the house. Oh. I went from the fish pit to like wearing, you know, dress pants and a black shirt. And wow. I became Give a us- Give us a timeline. So what month was this? <laughs> this was, uh, I think, in November, I transitioned to the front of the restaurant. Okay, okay. Was that better? Did you like it more? Yeah, it was very, I mean, it was higher stress because, um, you know, you're dealing with customers face to face. And, you know, as anyone who's dealt directly with customers knows, it can, be, it can be challenging and demoralizing sometimes. But overall, it was a really good environment. You make, I made way, way more money. Uh, really Mm-hmm. yeah that's something i i kind of believe strongly about is that people in back of house aren't paid enough for the amount of work they do yeah and we don't get tips come on man equal or you payments. Get like 30 dollars a month or something right nah. where the servers are making like 
they're making tons of money every year. Yeah, my boss had me thinking that we were splitting the tips, and I was like, hold on a second, $12 a two weeks? That doesn't make sense. Everybody that comes in here tips at least like $10. Yeah, so- plus, plus, like, when you tip, I don't know about you guys, but when I tip, I'm usually tipping for the food mainly yeah, yeah. really tipping for just the service <laughs> yeah yeah give this to the chef i guess you have yeah, to exactly. yeah, this is for the chef only <laughs> i yeah. used to work at a, a restaurant and the owner didn't let me keep any of my tips <gasps> wait that's <laughs> yeah it was so and then i quit <laughs> good for you Wait, this is a great topic. I'm sorry, we're not going to stay on this too long, but I have a whole problem with the whole idea of tipping. Like, I don't, I, I don't, like in certain things, I don't get it. And the way it's distributed, I don't get it. But we don't have to stay on this. We can move on. Where I was traveling, there was no tipping. And I thought it was really nice. Yeah. It's okay. like different standards everywhere, but okay, we can move on. Um, <laughs> okay, so cool. So, um, so staying with the story, after a while, um, you're working, and then what happens? Uh, and then, so I had a, a, a girlfriend at the time who I started dating in grade 11. And so we were talking about what we wanted to do. We knew we wanted to travel. Um, and I was really set on going to New Zealand. I forget why. I think my parents went on their honeymoon there. So I grew up with, like, pictures of New Zealand on the wall. Um, I really like mountains and mountain climbing and things like that. So, um, and New Zealand is perfect for that. It's like a little mountain paradise on the South Island. So I convinced my girlfriend that we would go to New Zealand. And then we left at the beginning of January. So my job flew to New Zealand, um, to the North Island. And then I, I think we bought a car. Yeah, we bought a car within like three days. It's a terrible, uh, like van, it's a Bishi van for $3,000. <laughs> at the end, it was, it was like a lemon. Uh, we had to call for 500 or something. Um, but yeah, we just got in the car and drove everywhere. Wow. So you were in New Zealand for how long? Um, I was there from January to May. So about five months. Wow. Did you plan to go there initially for that long? Um, I did. Yeah. I was hoping to even stay longer because I wanted, I got a work visa. They have this thing called a working holiday visa where you can go and work on um like you can work picking fruit and stuff like that um but in the end um my girlfriend really wanted to come back she had she had stuff to do in ottawa so we ended up coming back a little bit earlier than i wanted but we still got we had time to see pretty much the whole country Interesting. country what was your top three favorite memories in new zealand hmm good question I mean, the, the hikes through the, the mountains on the southern island, like the Alps, those were crazy. Um, there's, this, there's this place on the coast where they're called fjords. There's a lot of them in Norway too, but it's basically like these sh- huge sheer cliffs that are almost perpendicular to the ground. So when you're there, you feel really claustrophobic. It's kind of like, like being in hell or something. It's, it's one of the craziest places I've ever been. That was a good memory. We stayed with uh, families along the way. So we stayed with uh, a couple on the South Island that had like, a, they had two pet llamas. One of them was named Mocha. The other one was named Latte. Pet llamas. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. They just lived in the middle of nowhere with some sheep. And yeah, they're two llamas, Mocha and Latte. Um, 
So that was definitely a top memory. Yeah, and the people I met. We we spent like a week traveling with some people from Singapore. These four guys that were like 22, and they just finished their military service. Um, they were really cool guys. Had some, some good times with them. Wow. So how did you meet so many people in New Zealand? Um, it kind of just happens. When you're traveling on a budget, you're forced to stay in kind of close quarters with people. Like uh, when you're hiking in New Zealand, they have this unique system of huts. So when you're hiking through the mountains, you'll come to these like cabins and then you all sleep in these bunk beds basically side by side. So you don't really, you don't like to meet people. You don't really have a choice. Um, you're kind of forced to socialize, which is good for me because I'm not, I'm not someone who will just walk up to people and talk to them. Um, and then when you live in your van too, and you pull up to like a parking lot besides other people living in their vans, kind of, uh, you kind of feel a connection with them right away. Oh, so you lived in, you lived in that van that you bought at the beginning. Yeah, we slept on the front seats too. It was really uncomfortable. That's crazy wow. to me. That's yeah. so interesting. Wait, wait, Declan, before we move on, you also mentioned, because I don't know where I heard this too, but <clears throat> in certain countries, especially in Europe, it's like common for people to go into other people that live there to go into their house. And I don't even know. If, I think there, someone told me there's an app for it where if you want to oh. stay for a couple of days, you can do that. You can go with the locals and where they reside. Is that what you also did? Like you said, you spend some time with different families. Is that what it was or no? It was more like you got to know people and then from them, like some of them offered you to go, you know, stay with them for a bit and stuff like that. It was, um, yeah, I know the app you're talking about. Well, there's Couchsurfer, which you can use to stay for free. And there's another one where you yeah, can, might be that one. you stay for free and you also like cook for them. So it's kind of an exchange room okay. for, okay. for services. But um, we met people through Airbnb. So we would we just look for houses and it would usually be like a little hut on a farm that you'd sleep in and then you'd come in for dinner with the family. Um, but we also met some people on our trips, did like a canoe trip on the Northern Island for, it was like a five day canoe trip. And we met this guy there named, uh, John, John Kleinsman. And he, uh, he invited us to his house basically in Wellington, which is the capital of New Zealand. We stayed with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him a couple times actually. So yeah, just really people in New Zealand are really, really friendly. Um, and they were they were more than willing to to you know help us out when we needed it or or let us stay with them. Did you? Uh, wait, wait. Sorry, go no, ahead. no, no, you go. I was gonna say New Zealand. They speak uh, with the accent, right? They speak English, but with the accent like Australians. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's a little bit similar to an Australian accent. It's really hard to imitate. It's like, yeah, yeah. That was my next question. <laughs> I, I mean. Um, would it like pencil and if you're from New Zealand it'd be like pencil. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so hard to do. Yeah. Was there any slang? What did did you learn any slang? Um uh, yes. Uh one thing they say is like like if something is like dope or you want to say something's cool, you would say it's uh sweet as. <laughs> sweet as. Yes, yeah. So Wait, I, I, I feel amazing. like that's like a Toronto slang, sweet as. He does. <laughs> you can bring it to Toronto. You can start the trend, Declan. I like it. I have, wait, Rebecca, you can go ahead. You had a question. Um, uh, let me remember. I was gonna ask, like, if you could do it again, what would you do differently? Differently. Um, I probably try to figure out how to eat eat well while traveling and on a budget because I. I lost 
a lot of weight while traveling. I think it, I came back, I was like 115 pounds. What? Yeah, it was, it was so skinny because it's so hard to eat. You don't have a fridge. You're just eating like, like almonds and I don't even know what else, like some eggs once in a while on our little, wow. uh, we had a little wood stove. But yeah, if I could figure out how to eat well and just like be healthy while traveling, that would be a huge, a huge So goal. what was your like eating, eating schedule or plan? Like how did you do that? Um, so we had this like cooler um, and we would dump ice in the cooler and then we just put food in it. So we would have like milk, uh, eggs, some cheese and some nuts, some crackers, things like that. We'd wake up in the morning and just eat like, some, a piece of cheese and some nuts uh lunch we would have like i don't know uh, like a piece of salami some crackers dinner we usually cooked like a grilled cheese something like that oh my was, god we had to cook with sticks basically like I, I would burn sticks make a little fire in this little stove i have and then we cook over that it's just such a hassle when you wake up in the morning in your car you don't really want to go look for sticks and and cook yeah. Wow. Wait. Okay. I'm. A, I'm gonna be the guy that asked the obvious question. But why don't you like do Uber Eats or drive into the drive-through or something like that? <laughs> were you trying to keep it like uh, nature? Nature. You know what I mean? Like one of those where you're trying to just do everything by yourself. And like, I, I, I guess that was part of it. I mean, a big part of it is just we were trying to save money. I went. Oh, okay, with, yeah, uh, okay. I think I saved up 10 k before I went. I ended yeah. up spending probably over five months, seven and a half thousand dollars. She's actually pretty good. That's very wow. impressive. Yeah, because we were living cheap and, yeah. and often staying in, like, parking lots for free. But, uh, yeah, and, and, like, the reality was the result. In most of the places we were, there was no, there was no Uber Eats. Like, there wasn't. Um, you couldn't really find food. Wow. So, in seven, I mean, in five months, you only spent $7,500. And that includes, like, your car gas food and living and i think that includes my flight too and the tickets yeah oh oh my god yeah so i was traveling with with my girlfriend which was a huge um basically a must because it it allows you to cut down on costs because if you have to pay for your car by yourself and gas by yourself it's gonna be twice as expensive and gas in new zealand is it was usually over $2 per liter. So really, really expensive. Yeah, wow. way more than double what it is in Canada. But I can, yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Rebecca, think about it. If you're going to go somewhere for five months, you're not going to, like your goal is not to go there and spend a lot of money. Your goal is to just explore stuff, right? So I, I can get with that thinking. Like if I'm going somewhere long term, um, I'm, not, I'm not going there and just, you know, doing like crazy, just spending on stuff. So I get that. So that's good that you thought about budgeting before you even left. That's probably. Yeah. Yeah. I I really didn't want to run out of money. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Did you get a job there or did you just like explore and travel every day? I was, I was planning on getting a job, but in the end um, I was spending less money than I thought I would. So I was able to do it without, uh, without getting a job. It would have been really cool to get a job though. Cause I think, um the the like berry picking and fruit picking industries are pretty much run by backpackers who have these working holiday visas so it would have been really cool to meet people that way and you know you all sleep in like these bunk houses and wow 6 a.m to 6 p.m every day it would have been it would have been a good experience but in the end i didn't didn't need the money enough to do it 
you're giving me ideas i want to i never thought of new zealand as like okay that's a travel destination but now that you like bring up all the different things they'd be doing over there i'm like let me go see it's i honestly think it was a perfect like first travel destination for me Mm -hmm. or like first backpacking experience because um when they all speak english right you're not it's not a foreign country where you'll have difficulty communicating with people and uh it's very very safe Mm-hmm. and you can buy a car like it's just so easy to get all, get around if you buy a car yeah so after you came back from new zealand what did you do for the rest of the summer um i was having a lot less fun i <laughs> yeah, actually so part of the the trip um was a little bit it was a bit difficult because i had um i have an autoimmune disease called ankylosing spondylitis and it was they didn't know i had it before I left for New Zealand, even though I've had it since I was like 10. Um, so I had like crazy back pain and, and hip pain throughout the entire trip. And when I came back, I basically had to have hip surgery. So by yeah, on May 15th, like on, actually on June 1st, like two weeks after I got back, I had hip surgery and then I was on crushes for the entire summer up until I started school. So nothing, nothing exciting after I came back. Um, do you still have uh, the hip pain and the back pain after the surgery? Um, actually, the surgery turned out not to be uh, necessary. So <laughs> it turned out that it was the autoimmune disease that was causing pain, not like a structural problem with the hip. So uh, yeah, now I take a like an immunosuppressant that um, you know suppresses the autoimmunity, and I'm I'm pretty much cured. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's lit. Okay, so you don't have to worry about it again too much. So you no. didn't even have to get the surgery. No, I didn't. I mean, they thought, yeah, they thought the hip pain was caused by um, something called a cam deformity or femoral acetabular impingement. But it turned out it, the pain was being caused by just inflammation. Wow. I see. Okay, okay. So we have this story. Now let's get really into like what you took away from like what happened that year, okay? Because this is my most like... Uh, I like I want to learn about this the most like and as someone that's went through this like through a gap year and also traveling those are two things that I haven't really done I, I I'm I'm not a person that travels a lot and as someone that did travel you know what I mean took a whole year and then just kind of took a break from like everything academic at least would you think like what's the biggest takeaway like is it helpful is it really beneficial do you recommend other people do it like what did you would you have to say about it in general the experience yeah no i i definitely recommend it i think the first part where i just worked as a dishwasher was was a great learning experience i learned a lot about myself you know working sometimes 14 15 hour shifts in in the dish pit that was that was kind of eye opening too up until that point the jobs i'd had were like you know classic teenager jobs things like shoveling people's driveways and stuff so this was this was completely different it was really um gave me a a kind of a taste of an aspect of the real world that i that i wasn't really familiar with up until that point Mm -hmm. um and i just met tons of people it kind of helped me come out of my shell i think after after high school and then yeah the trip same thing i it it helped me develop like just the, the skills that are important for traveling you know being able to organize your own flights and buy a car and and go on YouTube to learn about how to, you know, inspect and fix a car, things like that. Like all of these little experiences that kind of just 
I guess, uh, helped me grow up a little bit. I think we're, we're really important. And then beyond that, like, it's just really, really fun, really fun to go to a, a foreign country without your parents. Up until that point, I'd never traveled without my family. I'd barely been outside of the country. My family traveled a decent amount, but always within Canada. So, um, yeah, no, it was just like a, a really eye-opening experience and a lot, a lot of fun. Okay. And then would you say to the student that was in your shoes, that's grade 12, that got accepted to a program that they like, but they're thinking, damn, I'm going to like, I'm going to miss a year. Why would I do this? Or to the parent that's keeping on like arguing with their kid that, yo, you should not do this. What is the benefit? Blah, blah, blah. So your number one thing would be, yo, there's actually a lot of learning experiences that you get from doing something like this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Plus, I think, um, you know, the, the window to do this kind of thing kind of closes, especially for people like us that are, um, you know, in a you know tough university program that have big plans for their futures, right? Because once you, once you go to undergrad, and especially once you like start your career, it's really, really hard to take that much time off, right? You can always get like two or three weeks for vacation if you're lucky, and you could go somewhere nice and relax. But um, the ability to take a full year off, I think that's a, an experience that's unique to, to people under the age of like 25. Right. So, um, yeah, the first thing I would say is you're not always going to have the, the, the time to be able to do this. And yeah, it's just, it's a really eye opening experience. Um, so I highly recommend doing it sooner, sooner, the better, I think. And I did it after high school and I'm hoping I'll be able to do it after undergrad too, but we'll see. Yeah, so you mentioned to me that you wanted to do another gap year after undergrad. So do you have any plans for that yet? Um, I, I mean, I have some destinations in mind. Um, like, I'd really like to go to Iran. I have an Iranian friend who tells me that it's really, really beautiful. Bro, let me, I'm, I'm fam. That's the perfect destination. I'm from Iran. I'm oh, telling yeah? you. This is, wait, this is the first time I've heard someone say I want to go to Iran as for traveling. That's crazy to me. It's because I have a friend. It's, I agree. It's not a destination I would, I would think of. And, yeah. you know, based on my, my preconceived notions, I would think like, well, is, do I know if it's safe? Things like that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've been told it's beautiful and yeah, it, it is really safe. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100% man. That's crazy that you, yeah. you've been thinking about that. Your friend, wait, who's your friend? Is he in the program or is just somebody, you know, from, from somewhere else? He's from, he's from my high school. So wait, I, I what's, his what's his name? What's his name? Marathi. Oh, it's not. <laughs> oh, I know him. Yeah, shout out to him, man. Great, great uh, recommendation. I like it. I like yeah? it. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm going to do it. <laughs> now you have to do it. You, you already promised Ali you're going to do it. Right? Yeah, it's actually, it's pretty crazy because think about it. Not a lot of people try to travel to the Middle East, but in reality, the Middle East and Asia in general is one of the oldest, like, cultures ever do you know what i mean so if you are looking for that type of stuff that's the perfect place to go and iran is one of those countries where every city is different like every city is known for something do you know what i mean yeah. like one city is known just for poetry one city is known for structures or, or arch architecture and one city is known for its beautiful beaches one city is known for the saharas and the deserts and stuff like that but that, that's why that's why I think people should explore countries like that where everywhere is different. Also, China, I think it's like that. Different cities have completely different things to them. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I would, 
I was reading about in China, Xinjiang. I think it's a province. It looks absolutely beautiful. That's also on my my destination list. Yeah, I really want to go back to China for like a whole summer, maybe, uh, maybe like this year, but COVID, so maybe next year.、Uh, but I haven't been back since I was. Eight or nine years old, and I just want to like experience my own culture again, you know.、Mm. Yeah, I was on my way to New Zealand. I had a stopover in Guangzhou, and then I I left the airport for like I think it was twenty four hours. But that's one thing I kind of missed by going to New Zealand. You know, I went to another Commonwealth country. It's kind of like a mini version of Canada in a、mm-hmm. lot of ways. So I I didn't really I wasn't immersed in a, in a completely different culture. So I think that's that's kind of on my My to-do list for my next trip. Yeah. Anyways, so now that we've talked about your gap here, how is this semester going for you? <laughs>、um, it's it's tough. It's tough with online school.、Um, I think a lot of people are feeling that. I、um, I'm lucky because I I have three friends from high school that are living with me in my house in Hamilton. Um, they're subletting from my other roommates who aren't there right now. So I've got you know four or five friends that I'm living with.、Um, so I really I've got these these social connections, which I think is really important because up until Christmas,、um, Christmas break, I was living alone at my parents'、uh, cabin in Quebec. So I was pretty much I spent about five months completely by myself between last March and this and December, twenty、uh, twenty. Wow! Wait, why didn't you live with your parents at least? Yeah, that's a good question. I、uh, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't want to live with my parents. <laughs> I, I yeah, our house is kind of small, and I yeah, I feel like once you move out, it's hard. At least for me, it's hard for me to go back to living with my parents. I like visiting, but beyond like a week or two,、um, I prefer to you know maintain my independence. Interesting. Yeah. Wait. How's that been? How's that been? Just being by yourself for that long period of time has it affected you? You think at, at least did it affect you at that time? I I think so. Yeah. I mean, it it was it was very isolating.、Um, I went like three. I probably went three weeks at a time without seeing anyone because I would see my dad every three weeks.、Mm-hmm. But、um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say how it. If it changed me, I think I'll know probably years down the road.、Yeah. Uh, but it、uh, it really forced me to be kind of alone with my own thoughts,、mm-hmm. kind of in my own head,、um, which is something in university you don't really slow down to do very often.、Right? You're so surrounded by people. Yeah, and also yeah, when you brought the fact up that that you brought up the fact that when you do move out, when you move back in, it's a little bit more difficult to. Get back into that routine. My sister went through the same thing when she she's she's here now. She's in Hamilton, but she moved out to Ryerson to study there, and now she's taking a year off because she doesn't want to do online school. She wants to go back to school when school is in person.、Mm. Um, and now she's back. She keeps telling me, "Ali, I'm going crazy. Like I was in Toronto, that crazy lifestyle. Like you're always going to school. There's always something going on, and then boom, you're all, you're back here. You know what I mean? It's like." It's hard to cope with, so I get that. Weird. It's like it's like when you went to when you go away to school or you travel, your horizons kind of open up, and then when you go back home, you're being pushed into this box, and、yeah. and you're not really used to to being confined like that. 
yeah interesting you know what i actually have never felt that way before <laughs> well, oh yeah I, rebecca you're back home what do you think yeah i think everyone's yeah. different like well, let's just preface it by saying that everyone's different yeah, yeah. what did you think wait rebecca do you have siblings yeah i have a sister okay. who who's older than me and she is working right now but her thing is remote as well and she used to live in toronto but then she moved home too so now it's like me my sister and my parents and uh, my grandpa living in um our house and like honestly i feel like pretty good (laughs) 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 i don't feel like confined at all i think it's just because like my parents are pretty chill like they don't they don't ever bother me when I don't want them to bother me and like I feel like still independent here and also I like my house way better in Ottawa than in Hamilton like high key so <laughs> yeah everyone I feel like everyone's different yeah definitely yeah. but I can see I can see the viewpoint for both sides to be honest yeah I can see um, your viewpoint Declan as well yeah um Damn, interesting. Wow, that was a crazy talk. I've never that's yo, that story was crazy to me. I'm still thinking about that. Taking a gap here and just like, you know, going traveling and then working, stuff like that. That's pretty yeah. cool. It's the stuff that um, you see like on YouTube or on like the movies, but I've never met yeah. someone in real life that's done it. it yeah. It's kind of not really a like a popular Canadian thing to do. Mm-hmm. When I was uh, when I was in New Zealand, there were so many Germans, lots of French people. Uh, lots of people from like the UK it's it's kind of like part of their it seemed like it was kind of part of their their culture right it was almost an expectation that when you're young you travel to faraway places and live on a budget and meet lots of people but in Canada I think the the mentality the same in the U.S. too is that you you know you go to school you go through the motions you get your degree and then you enter the workforce it's a little bit more of a kind of a laid-back attitude uh, in Europe I think and as a result they just tend to do it more yeah and honestly, but correct me if I'm wrong, but Declan, here in Hamilton, the high schools that I went to, they people really don't, like, teachers don't talk about gap years, students don't talk about gap years, there's no, like, you don't have information about what is a gap year, you just hear, oh, gap year, take one year off, you don't hear, like, okay, what can you do in that year, you know what I mean? There's no information about it, that might also be another problem, when you don't have the information, you're just like, all right, whatever. That's just a thing. You know, that's just, nobody talks about it. So that might also be another thing. If people gave more information about what you can do, like if you're this type of person, this might be helpful for you, blah, blah, blah. That, I think that would be also helpful. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I, I don't remember my guidance counselors talking about it at all. Yeah. It's it not brought up as an option, honestly. No, it was. And I think that's why when I told people that's what I was doing, you know, friends, my family members, they, it, they almost saw it as like, almost like a failure or something. If they didn't see it as something that you would choose to do. Yeah. Something that would happen accidentally, like if you didn't get into university or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy about like information. If you give people the information, that's the biggest tool that you can give anyone. Just give yeah. them the information and then you know what i mean the the real power is in the information which sounds so like grandiose but for real think about it the most change that people can do is if they have the information like about anything it could be applied to anything in life that's how it works allow them to make an informed decision 
yeah exactly yeah and that allows you to even like consider it as an option and also i i there was definitely or there still is like stigma surrounding just like taking a gap year as you said declan it's kind of like looked down upon but yeah i agree in canada for, for sure it's not seen as a normal thing to do well, i want to ask about how like playing music and playing instruments is like is it helpful if like you're a very involved person academically and then you have to study 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 but then you have a hobby like music do you think it makes you a little bit you know different in terms of how you do certain things how you cope with different things um yeah i think i think um personally i think the benefits like the cognitive benefits of music all that i think it might be a little overblown it's tough mm -hmm. to say but i never felt like it gave me an edge in school mm -hmm. um but one thing I did find really useful is I'm a very, I think I get stressed really easily. Um, and the ability to like cope with that stress and still perform well under pressure. I think that's something that playing music helped with because playing the violin when you're like 16 performing for 500 people is really, really stressful. So being able to cope with that, I think has helped me cope with stress in university. Um, and then it's also a good stress reliever when you can play with other people. So for example, at McMaster, I've got a group of friends. We haven't gotten together in like a year, unfortunately, but last year we were getting together all the time. We just like improvise, play some, some folk music, things like that. And that was, that was really, really good. So I think it, it's helpful that way. I think it's just hobbies in general too. Like, I feel like people should stick with their hobbies. I, I have a lot of friends that were really good at whatever music. I know people that played sports a lot. I know people that were great artists, a lot of them, like, you know what I mean? They did different things, but then they kind of drop it because, oh, okay, I'm in university now. I can't do this. I can't continue both of them at the same time. I think that's a wrong mentality. Yeah, I definitely agree. Having hobbies, like when your life is only school, it's a very sad life, like serious. Like it's very stressful all the time. Like nothing really brings you happiness, but um, when you have a hobby, it's kind of like you're getting away from that stress for a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it. I think it's really important. I. I mean, anything can be a hobby. Like hanging out with friends, I think is for me. That's probably the best stress reliever. So Shopping. it doesn't have to be like <laughs> music or a sport, but yeah, just anything that kind of pulls you out of the the school mentality. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Anyways, I think that brings us to the end of our podcast. Yes, sir. Wait, round of applause for. Oh, hold up. So, thank you, Declan, for joining us. We really appreciate you, man. I don't think there's a lot of people that can provide that perspective on, you know, the things that you went through and the things that you did. So, that's why it's important. And there's a lot of first years listening to this. A lot of. Uh, Rebecca, some people that are in high school are starting to reach out to me. I guess they're like finding the podcast or I don't know if they're just looking at my profile or whatever. But if you are listening to this podcast, it's good to, to learn from other people that went through the same things that you went through and take away whatever you have to take away. But just know that there's different ways to approach it. So I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. If, if anyone has questions about, you know, taking a year off, things like that, feel free to feel free to message me. Yes, sir. Plug, plug your uh, IG. <laughs> <laughs> okay there we go um 
Yeah, with that being said, do you have anything going on right now? Anything you want to promote? Like any clubs, events, things, whatever that comes to um, mind? Your SoundCloud. <laughs> um, hey, look, Declan, you should start the SoundCloud, man. Don't you Don't you play the violin? Come on, bro. You can make some cool. nice yeah, beats. I have friends who play the guitar and like the cello and stuff. We should, we should put something together and start recording. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Hey, look, you can make sample packs. You know how you know how much money people make from that? I just realized I had a friend that made sample packs. So you know how like people make beats yeah. or like whatever music, R&B music, the sample in the background, that's the people that get most of the money because they get, well, that's like higher level too. They get loyalties and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, bro, make some sample packs. <laughs> I'll look into it. Yes, sir. Um, all right. Yeah. Any closing remarks before we let you go? Uh, I don't think so. No, thanks for having me. It was, it's really nice to kind of reminisce. I sometimes I feel like the memories are are slipping away a bit. So good to good to bring them back up. For sure. Yes, sir, for sure. All right. Okay. And with that being said, happy Monday, everyone, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Bye.